There is a handout in the back. It's two pages today. One is for review and the other is for um, today's lesson as we continue to look at giving as an act of grace. Um, and again, we have a memory verse and that is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giving, a cheerful giver, cheerful giving, yeah, and a cheerful giver too, yeah. Um, but, you know, as we talked about this, it is a challenging thing to talk about giving and to teach on giving, and a lot of churches don't do it, and a lot of churches, that's all they do, is talk about giving, and so we want to be careful with that, and we want to make sure that we just go to the Word of God and see what He says about that, and allow that, through the Holy Spirit, to change our hearts and, so that we can be more cheerful givers. And we want to be careful. And as we walk through 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we'll see that Paul was very careful to encourage the Corinthians in how to give. And he was just taking the time and not trying to coerce them or manipulate them or do, it, do some kind of fundraising thing or something like that, but just to help them to know what God's heart is so that they can give cheerfully. And that is our hope, and I want to be careful with that as well. So we're going to begin to go through that, and we looked, remember before, we're going to review today the preliminary things, right? But we're only going to review this one more time, so just want to make sure this is in your heart and ready. The preliminary truths, God owns it all. I'm a steward and not an owner. Every good thing has been, that has been given to me has been given to me, not truly earned by me. God gives us the ability to make wealth. All I have been given is to be freely used to meet needs and to glorify God. And those are just foundational things that we think about all the way through all of these evidences of giving as an act of grace. We saw also that giving was an act of grace. It was described as that in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It is called an act of grace, this act of grace, a couple of times. And it is also depicted, giving as an act of grace is depicted in the Old Testament and the New Testament in the aspect of the tithes or taxes versus free will offerings. And we found that free will offerings are throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, but there was an aspect where you give to the theocratic government in the Old Testament your tithes, which were multiple, not just one, and in the New Testament we're to pay our taxes and support the government that God has ordained over us. But all of our giving is free will from a heart that is full of joy and, and been touched by God's grace. And so it is an act of grace both in the Old and in the New Testament. And so we began to look at these evidences of giving as an act of grace found in 1 Corinthians 16, 1-4 and in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And we saw the background, if you will, of what was happening then. Important for us to understand context because we don't want to take anything out of context, right? And just kind of pick verses that work for us in giving. What was happening then that in 1 Corinthians in his letter to, to second letter, or in 2 Corinthians, which was his third letter to them, that the persecuted Christians in Jerusalem were struggling to meet their needs. The Corinthians then offered to give to the, to the Christians in Jerusalem. And other Macedonian churches were following the Corinthians' example. Paul is coming to pick up the offering and send it to Jerusalem. And so he writes to them to encourage them to have that offering ready through reminders about giving as an act of grace. How does it help us now? Well, Paul brings out timeless evidences of giving as an act of grace for them and us to instruct our hearts in how to be more cheerful 
givers. And we began to look at giving as an act of grace last week. And one of the evidences of that is when we give regularly. We saw that in 1 Corinthians 16 and 1 through 4 where Paul is talking to them the first time about having this offering ready and doing those things. And then he comes back in 2 Corinthians and comes to pick it up, has them to get ready. So it says on the first day of the week they were to put aside and save. And so we found that our giving should be regular, consistent, and systematic, not irregular or subjective or whenever we remember to give something. It should be regular. And the first day of the week, they would meet together, and you see this in this passage and also in other passages where it was the regular habit of the church to come together on the Lord's Day and to bring their offering to meet the needs and to further God's kingdom. And so, a principle for us, we give to the church regularly, consistently, and systematically. There were some points of clarification that we made there. It doesn't mean you have to give every Sunday if you don't get paid that often or whatever is there. But if you want to divide it up and give every Sunday, no matter when you get paid, that's nice to be in, have an act of worship as well. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a separate fund at home to meet the needs of others directly or privately as they arise as well. It doesn't mean that we should give only to the church, Right? And it, but it does mean that we should give regularly, consistently, and systematically to the church to meet the known needs. Now, someone after last Sunday had a great question, right? And we want to go over some of these great questions because it's usually something that someone else has as well. And so we want to talk to that and think it through and make sure that we understand um, the best we can some of the principles of the Bible for that. What about giving to ministries or missionaries outside of my church? What if there's a missionary or someone that your church doesn't sponsor or put out there and put their card out? What if you are new to this church, but you gave to a missionary for many years? Should you go ahead and do that and things like that? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. It does not mean, we'll add this to our uh, uh, helpful things, does not mean you cannot give to other mission ministries or missionaries outside of your local church. So just because we give regularly to our local church. That should be the primary thing. But it does mean we should practice discernment in this area. Okay? And so I want to help us with that as well because we get all kinds of things in the mail or on TV or even in the Christian bookstore, right? Or the Christian radio and stuff like that. They're sending missionaries or they're supporting certain things or they're doing stuff. And so we want to practice discernment in how we give if we're going to give to ministries or missionaries outside of the church. So you can ask yourself some questions like, do I know them or their ministry personally? Do I know them? You know, if I know them personally and I know what they're doing and whatever, then maybe that's something you can do. But do I know them personally? That could be fine. Have I researched their current doctrine and practices? Current doctrine and practices. Okay, Paul would go on a missionary journey and he would come back to Antioch and report what's going on. And sometimes there were some doctrinal issues there and they had to work through those to make sure that everybody's on the same page, right? And we find that some missionaries or even mission agencies kind of get influenced by other things and they kind of stray away from what we used to hold to. And, and so we would be careful with that and talk to them about that, all right? So you don't want to be um, uh, supporting someone who is presenting a different gospel, Right? Or a different Jesus, right? Because they've been influenced. So just being careful with that. Have I sought counsel from my elders? Right? Here's this new thing and stuff like that. I would, if I get something in the mail that this seems really good or whatever, I would go to them. It is their responsibility to know what's going on in the world and to know how different mission agencies work and to help us to grow in discernment. 
Okay, they're to defend the truth and to um, be able to refute with sound doctrine. And so they tend to know what's going on and some of the trends and the different things. So go to them and ask them about that as well. Okay? The next thing I would consider if you're thinking about supporting missionaries or ministry outside of the church, will it hinder my regular giving to my local church? Okay? Will it hinder my regular giving to my local church? We can give regularly and consistently and systematically because we found that the church's needs are regular and consistent and systematic. We, we talked about the church's needs and, and why we give regularly because supporting pastors and taking care of utilities and things like that. Well, if we give above and beyond what we give to the church to something else, that's fine. But you may want to consider that part, just giving above and beyond and not changing what you give to the church in your regular giving. That's just an option. It's not a law. It's not a rule. You give as you purposed in your heart. But those are some things to consider as we look at the practicality of those things. Okay? Is that helpful? Okay. Wonderful. All right. So we're going to continue with giving as an act of grace. We saw that we also, it also is an act of grace when we give individually, right? He says there each one of you is to set aside and give on the first day of the week. So each individual believer should give from whatever they have and not rely on others to do all the giving. And that's the key point. We're not relying on others to do all of the giving. That's not very gracious of us if we do that, right? No matter if you get, have a lot or have a little, God would ask us to give as an act of grace. And we had some points for clarification there as well. It doesn't mean we can't give one offering per family or couple, right? If you work and she doesn't work and you give one check, that, that's fine or whatever that looks like. It does mean that any Christian who has given, been given any amount of wealth from the Lord should give an offering from it, okay? So that's our review there. And we saw in our memory verse, even it says, each one must do as he has purposed in his heart. All right. So we're looking at evidences of, a gra- of giving as an act of grace. And I want to make sure, again, that we're in context here. We looked at the background, but I also have a little outline for you there of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Okay? And that's just to kind of keep the flow of the passage, what we're doing there, what Paul is talking about, how is it going. And you can see where we're pulling out these things within the flow of the passage. Okay, Because there are a lot of little tidbits in there and there's wonderful things. It's full of of evidences of giving as an act of grace. But we want to make sure that we are within that. Okay, So we have the Macedonians' example. I'll give you little blanks to fill in there so everybody's paying attention, right? And then we have the Corinthians instructions in chapter 8, verses 6 through 15. And then you have the leader's accountability for giving as, as an act of grace there in 8, 16 to 24. That helps us as well. And then you have the Corinthians encouragement for giving as an act of grace. And then lastly, you'll see in chapter 9, verses 6 to 15, the believer's blessings of giving as an act of grace, okay? So that's just, I want you to have that so that you'll know where we're going. I may refer to it, but it's not the main thing, but just so you know, this is where we're, the, how the passage flows, and this is what the intent was of the original, to the original audience, and then we'll pull from those things the thing for us, okay? So that's why that is there. You can keep that. That's why that's on a separate page if you want to have that around and say. So, any questions so far? Is that helpful? All right, I want to be helpful. All right, 
So we've looked at evidences of giving as an act of grace when we give regularly and when we give individually. And today, we're going to see that giving is an act of grace when we give in spite of difficult circumstances. And that's a hard one. Has anyone ever faced a difficult circumstance and then thought, man, should we give or maybe we shouldn't? Both hands, because it happens more than once, right? And when we counsel people, the same thing is there. What do we do? Should we do that? Are we required to do that? Well, when we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we find that the Macedonians gave in spite of very difficult circumstances. It says there in chapter 8, in verse 1, we'll start there. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. And again, we saw here's this grace of God, and he's going to be talking about them giving and the Corinthians giving. It's this act of grace. It's the act of grace that God enables and empowers and provides us with the ability to give. So here is this grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia that in a great ordeal of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. This one is packed. Amazing. So we're going to get quite a few things, uh, evidences from here. But the first one is, they gave in spite of difficult circumstances. In a great ordeal of affliction and in deep poverty. If you study the background of, of the churches in Macedonia, it was a difficult place. It was hard to have a church there. Paul went there. And if you read in Acts... He gets kicked out of Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. The churches are being persecuted. Even Jason, who where they thought Paul, Jason's house, where they thought Paul was, was hiding, they went and arrested him as well. And so this is not a very great place to have a church or to thrive and to have all the wonderful things that we have like we do in America. The Jews were persecuting them. They wanted the way of Christ to stop. And so here, the churches in Macedonia had suffered quite a bit of oppression and quite a bit of affliction by the Jews, resulting in some of them losing their jobs and using their property and losing their ability to do anything, to have an income. They were under great affliction and in deep poverty, but they heard of the need of the Christians in Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians. In Jerusalem. And they wanted to give. In spite of their difficult circumstances. And so our principle is. When we have received the grace of God in our lives. Difficult circumstances will not keep us from giving. When you're under that kind of affliction. Or suffering or or in a state of almost poverty, you may be tempted to keep whatever funds you have and not give anything. 
And most people wouldn't blame you. But they wanted to give. They just didn't have this kind of poor me attitude. Well, don't ask me. They wanted to give. And they went out of their way to beg for the opportunity to give. Well, you, you guys are in bad shape here. You don't have hardly anything. No, I want to give. I want to give. There are a few points for clarification here. We are not attempting to coerce, manipulate, or produce guilt. If you're in that situation. But this is an example God has left for us. So it is possible to give in spite of difficult circumstances. Now, wisdom might say we may need to adjust the amount we give in difficult circumstances. And so you may want to do that. But by God's grace, we can always find a way to give in spite of all difficult circumstances when our hearts are set on God and others. The two greatest commandments, right? And I want to share with you some of the uh, testimonies and other examples outside of the Macedonians and situations where you might have seen or you might find people in or you might be in right now as we think about giving in spite of difficult circumstances. Trying to get out of debt. Doing financial counsel with someone. They're getting on a budget. They're trying to get things right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I want to get out of debt. It's pretty tight. And so should I still give? Well, yes. If you purposed in your heart to, to have your, your finances, finances to be in line with what God has taught, then giving will be a part of it, if not the first part of it. As you pray and you consider what you want to give back to what God has entrusted you with, right? So trying to get out of debt. I know someone who learned those principles, wanted their life to be pleasing to God, just got saved, like went through Larry Burkett stuff and financial training, and that's the kind I use. If you want to go through that, that's happy. I know Dave Ramsey does some things too, but I prefer him. I think Larry Burkett is more focused on glorifying God and all of those things, but that's, you know, no, nothing against Ramsey. But uh, I read his books and things too. But, you know, they're going through this. They want to be pleasing to God in every aspect of their life. They make a budget and stuff. And it's like, oh, no, nah, it's just too tight. But they committed to giving. They had over $30,000 in debt. And they weren't making a ton of money. Within 18 months, they had no debt. Just by what God had done in their life. And, and blessing those, their commitment to his financial stewardship and to giving. But we don't give in the intent to like, that's just one example, right? And I can tell you time and time again, I have seen people through financial counseling, God works in those ways, in tangible ways, in our lives pretty quick. Because he owns it all, right? And he can make that happen. So if he chooses to do that, it doesn't always work that way. But anyway, people trying to get out of debt, they can continue to give as well. Barely making the ends meet. We've known people who have barely been able to make the ends meet and they're like, you know what, but I still want to give. Give something. And they gave something and God continued to bless them and continued to provide for them over and over again. Unexpected large expense. I'm going on my budget, I'm trying to be a good steward and my water heater goes out. My transmission goes out. Oh, I'm just going to give up. It's not worth it, right? Well, no. They continued to give. God provided abundantly more than they can ask or imagine 
Everything was fixed. And actually, it was fixed better than it was before. And they still had plenty to cover all of their expenses. Overwhelming medical bills. Those things come up from time to time. These are just a few examples of things, but seem to be common. Had a friend who was in an accident, out hunting. Shotgun went off when he wrecked his four-wheeler, blew his hip off, basically. And he was almost dead. He was, you know, they fixed him, put him all back together and things like that. And he was like, I don't even know how to pay for any of this, right? This is crazy. It's way too much. So they just gave a little bit, gave a little, paid, 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 paid. But he committed to giving. I'm going to continue to give to the church from what God has blessed me with. And a few months later, hospital called and said, we are going to write off a million dollars of your debt. You couldn't have paid it anyway. But he committed to do that. And those are just examples of their heart of committing to give. And you might look at the widow's might as well in Mark chapter 12, right? Verse 41 and 44. And in the context here of, you know, Jesus talking about the Pharisees who take old ladies' houses and widows' houses and rob them and, and things like that. But as he looks at the lady there, he sat down opposite the treasury in Mark twelve forty one, and began observing how people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors of the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. And her heart is, we would presume from the passage, that she trusted God to provide whatever. And wanted to give to meet the needs and to further God's work. Another example is just thinking about, you think about the people in Ukraine, right? Where the church is there, where they're getting blown up. They're living in garages, garages and things like that. And there were some churches that were able to get the supply chain from Germany and other things like that from the churches there or Poland. And then they would take from what they got in their poverty and, and having nothing and send on to churches that weren't able to get any relief yet. It's giving in spite of difficult circumstances. There are some comforting truths to remember when you get into difficult circumstances and you think about giving. Matthew 6, 25 to 34, right? For this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, being, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, do not spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You ever seen anybody go through a difficult circumstance of, of poverty or affliction and things like that, and how am I going to make the ends meet and all that stuff? And once they get through it, they're like, wow, didn't God provide great? Wasn't he wonderful? Were you thinking that in the midst of that? Think that in the midst of that. Remember these truths, not if, but when the next time a difficult thing comes 
into your life. You look at Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches, not your bank account, in glory in Christ Jesus. He owns it all. All of it. All of Bezos' money, all of your money. He owns it all. And He will distribute it wherever He wishes. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Except for in difficult circumstances. No, no, I don't see that clause there. Do we believe that? We have a heart to meet a need and to glorify God and further His kingdom. God will provide. That's wonderful truth. So we give as an act of grace when we give in spite of difficult circumstances. It can be done. And giving is an act of grace when we give joyfully. Joyfully. Let's look at that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again with these Macedonians who are shuffling. That in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy... And their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Their abundance of joy. It is amazing. It's a surplus of joy. When we respond to meet others' need, God fills us with his joy. That's the way that works itself out. You think about John 15. I don't know if I have that in your notes. But John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches, right? When we live in obedience to Christ, He gives us His joy. John 15, 10, He says, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. When we're obeying God's commandments and doing what He has asked us to do in the Word, He gives us His joy joy that's just too much to think about and our joy is made full we want to be joyful we want to be cheerful so a definition of joy may be helpful it's to experience great pleasure or delight do you experience great pleasure or delight when you give not grudgingly or under compulsion right It should be that way. Even in difficult circumstances. But especially when things are going well, right? Some people struggle to give even when things are going well and to give joyfully. Well, we finally got our debt and we're paying our bills here and we got enough to make the ends meet. We got a little left over, but I don't know if we have enough in savings. Let's wait until we get some more until we start giving. No. We can give anytime but we should delight in it it should be a pleasure and the more we do that we'll see it is there but the abundance there the word is can be translated also surplus so they don't have a surplus of material means but they have a surplus of joy because they're giving that's the way it works it's God's math it doesn't make sense to us but here they are in chapter oh got to go back over there 
and a great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in a wealth of liberality. So their affliction and their poverty equals joy and liberality. That's wonderful. Only God can do that in our hearts and produce that. And once you do it, you see it. Oh, that's great math. Before you do it, it, I don't know. So you have to trust and obey, right? All right. So what joyful giving might look like, right? Thanking God that we have something to give, something to put into the plate. Every time you give an honor, oh, thank the Lord for providing a way. That's joyful. Praying that God will use our offering to help someone else experience the joy of salvation. And they would come. And they would say, you know what, I came to this church, I had a knee and I didn't have gas in my car, I couldn't pay my rent. You guys took care of me, but you also told me the gospel and I repented and I believed and I'm thankful that I came here. And now I can worship with you. And you're like, oh, yes, that's wonderful. That is great. You're excited about how God might use it to encourage another believer as they're helped. And God takes care of them. Thinking about the blessing of storing up treasure in heaven. You know, you're giving your, your offering, you're, you're putting there, you're thankful, you're joyful, you're, you're doing that for the Lord, you're thinking about all of His promises, thinking about all the people who might gain salvation and have the joy of salvation, thinking about encouraging others, all of that. You're even thinking about, wow, I could be an example for someone else in the church who is struggling with giving, and I do it joyfully, and it's not to toot my own horn, right, like the, the Pharisees, but here are the Macedonians as an example, for all time. And did they do it for that? It's like, hey, look at me. No. They did it because it's the right thing to do. And that gives you joy. And know this, that when you think about that and when you store up treasure in heaven, when you get to heaven, he will say, well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your master. That's great. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but it's wonderful. This act of giving. Joyfully, delighting in the Lord. So you think about those things. I like First Chronicles 29, 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. So we can give as an act of grace when we give joyfully. One man said it this way, Christian giving is a gift from the grace of God which he enables Christians to exercise. And with the proper perspective, the more a person gives, the more joy they can find in giving. It's just that simple. That is wonderful. I would pray that if you haven't given or you struggle with that, think about that. Try it once with a good heart and see what God will do in your heart. So giving is an act of grace also when we give generously, right? Again, in this same verse, in a great deal of affliction and abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. You're giving generously. Freely giving more than is necessary or expected. Because we have freely received abundantly more than we could ask 
have asked or imagined in Christ. How much is that? <laughs> you need a number? I don't have one. All. <laughs> but we're to be good stewards in all areas, right? So we give generously, we give as an act of grace. And this one just kind of works out very simply, right? We think about that. When we give more than is expected or needed, we know that's an act of grace. When we receive more than we have asked or needed, we know that's an act of grace, and we feel it, and we sense it, and we know it. It's giving generously, with liberality, right? Some examples of giving generously. You guys have any? I'm sure you have a ton of them, and we can share those. One, you know, the simple things. Someone says, I need $10 for gas. You fill up their tank. It's giving generously, right? You need to pay rent. And you think about paying their electric also, right? It's about thinking about what they need and exceeding that need. And you have to be considering others as more important than yourself when you do that. When someone comes to you and says, well, I can't, you know, I've got to make my car payment over here and, you know, and I'm behind and they're going to come repossess it and whatever. Can you help me? It's like, okay. Yeah, maybe we can and we talk to them about the truth and their spiritual need along with their financial need and you help them. It's like, are you able to pay your insurance? Well, no, I didn't think about that either. Do you have gas? you need oil change? You know? Can we just help you to get back on your feet so that you can keep going? You know? Or you can't pay your rent? Okay, well, I can't pay my rent. Well, how far behind are you? I'm a month, so do that. Are you going to be able to pay it next month? Because I know it's hard for you to humbly come and ask, but do you need to? You know, what would be most helpful for you? We want to be generous and be helpful and give much more than is needed. Now, Luke 19, 1 and 10 is one example if you want to look at generosity. You know that guy? Zacchaeus, right? Luke 19 says, He entered Jericho, Jesus did, and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see what Jesus, who Jesus was and was unable to because of the crowd, for he was a small, of small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow, he gets saved and he wants to give to the poor half. That's a good number if you're looking for a number. If you're defrauded anyone, he's going to give back four times as much. He has a generous heart now that God has changed. Instead of taking, he wants to give and help. Because of what he has received in Christ. Great example there. Just a joke about the 50%. That's up to you. All right. So we have, we're giving as an act of grace when we give generally, generously. And some helpful truths to remember here. Like Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. 
If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, this is talking about during the year of Jubilee, right? When everything is forgiven after that seven years. If one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying the seventh year of your year of mission is near, and your eyes hostile toward your brother, and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give it to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertaking. So there's the blessing of giving generously as well. How's my heart? I want to make sure that he has sufficient need for whatever he lacks. Even though two weeks is the year of Jubilee and he's not going to have to pay me back. Mm. But God says when you give generously, he will bless you in all your work and all your undertakings. So that you will be able to continue to give. And then you look at 1 Timothy 6, 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. You think you're rich and you've got everything and this is life, this is the good life. But until you start giving, you haven't really taken over, taken hold of what is truly life indeed. When you give generously and you're ready to share what God has blessed you with so that others can see all the things that God has given us to enjoy. So those are just some helpful truths to remember when you think about giving generously. God blesses that so we can keep doing it. And it is what he intends for us to have a wonderful, joyful life. And our last one this morning, giving is an act of grace when we give proportionately. Okay, proportionately. We see that in 2 Corinthians 8.3 and some other passages as well. They gave according to their ability. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. And we're going to look first today, this week, just at according to their ability. Or it might be translated, in keeping with their income. Verse 12 says, according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. That's pretty clear, right? You give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have, right? According to your ability. And we saw back in chapter uh, 16 and verse 2, or 1 Corinthians 16, 2, as God may prosper you, as he may prosper. It's however you have. Not everyone has the same, but you give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. That's fairly simple. So Christian giving, the principle, Christian giving should be again according to our financial ability. Okay? Christian giving should begin according to our financial ability. And we're going to look at that more as we go forward, what that means. You look at Deuteronomy 16, 17 as well. Every man should give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. As you are able, it continues throughout Scripture. You want to give proportionately to how God has blessed you. A few points for clarification on this one. God does not expect you to give what you do not have. 
That seems simple, but sometimes we get confused about what it means to give and how to give sacrificially and how to give proportionally and how to give according to our needs and how to give generously and and in difficult circumstances. Well, what is that? So all of these work together. And understand that you, when you give, you may not be doing all of them at once. And that's not what we're talking about. It's about looking at the different principles and addressing different people and different circumstances in the church, as Paul does, so that everyone can understand what their role is in giving at certain seasons of life. Okay? All right. So God does not expect you to give what you do not have. And we should not go into debt to give. Okay? Going into debt to give. You may put your offering on a card or whatever if you give through electronic means or whatever. But you need to be able to pay it off by the end of the month, right? If you give on a credit card that you don't, aren't able to pay off because you don't have the money, then you're basically taking the money that God has promised to give to you to give to Him in the future and adding 20% to give to the bank. And so, wait, just no. It's, it's crazy. But you know, that's a mindset that we tend to have in America. I will get this later, you know, pay for it later and give it, get it today. I will buy this later with money I don't have and pay for it later. Well, I'm going to give today with money I don't have. No. Don't do, don't do that. That's not what God intends. God does not expect you to give what you do not have. Okay? All right. It is unwise to meet a need knowing that it will make you the one in need. Okay? Now, we trust and we give and we're helpful, but it's unwise. As some people say, it's foolish, right? To meet a need knowing that you will be the one in need. You don't give to the church of Jerusalem and think, well, I hope God works in their heart and send some of that back because I'm going to need it when they get back, right? So be careful with those things. Proportionate giving does not exclude sacrificial giving. Hmm. Because that's what comes up next, right? For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave. And we're going to look at what that is and have a better understanding of that going forward. Okay, And so today, we've looked at the basic ones of giving proportionately, giving in difficult circumstances, giving generously, right? And we've also seen giving regularly, individually, joyfully, because each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Any questions? That's four points. That may be a lot of information. We'll let you go home and soak that and, and see how that goes and, and work that into your heart. And we will continue on next week with some more points about starting with giving sacrificially. All right? Well, let's pray. Father, we do come before you this morning. Again, thankful. Just thankful for your word that is truth. Thank you for so many evidences that you have given us and, and the promises and the blessings of giving. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and give us clarity on these things so that we can give in a way that is pleasing to you with a, a cheerful, joyful, generous heart because of what you have done for us. We thank you that Christ is our example. Though he was rich, became poor, so that he, through his poverty, we might become rich. And be your children. 
Thank you for promising to always provide everything that we would need for every good deed so that we can be a conduit through which you bless others and further your kingdom. Help us to be humble and faithful for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen.